You know, if you listen to people, whether it's in the media or on public in general, and whenever they, or even educators for that matter, when they talk about faith, generally speaking, they're really talking about you having faith in yourself or having faith in somebody else or having faith that things will be okay. It would just the word faith is sort of banded about without really proper definition and understanding. And um, even some churches teach that even faith in God is a blind faith. Not many years ago, a minister was talking to me one-on-one, and one of those ministers of those churches that teaches that, and he basically said to me, he said, I don't know if the Bible is true or not. I, I, I don't know if Jesus is real or not. I don't know if the resurrection happened or not, but I just accept it all by faith. Do you know what my response was? I would rather be an atheist than have this kind of blind faith. Because my faith is anchored in the fact that God is what the Bible said He is. My faith is anchored in the fact that every word in His book is God-breathed. My faith is anchored in the fact that Jesus was God of very God who became man of very man. My faith is anchored in the fact that four eyewitness accounts detail the life, the crucifixion, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ far more than all the historical evidence by which we believe history. That they were recording what they saw with their own eyes and heard with their own ears. That my faith is anchored in the fact that I was wicked and lost in sin. But when I came and asked for His forgiveness, He gave it to me. And He forgave my sin. And gave me the assurance of eternal life. My faith is anchored in the fact that before Christ came into my life, I was alienated. I was aimless. I was fearful and anxious about my eternal future. But Jesus gave me saving faith. My faith is anchored in the fact that whenever Satan or my own flesh tempt me to rebel against the living God, Jesus gives me conquering faith, victorious faith, power to conquer temptation. Listen to me. This faith is very real. This faith is tangible. This faith is practical. This faith is reasonable. This faith is very sure. This faith is authentic. And the reason for that is because John said, Jesus gives us conquering faith. I want you to turn with me, if you haven't already. One of my favorite verses in the Scripture. 1 John 5, 4. For everyone born of God, and only you know whether you're born of God or not. For everyone born of God overcomes the world. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Beloved, this is very different from the kind of faith that people talk about. Whether it's faith in oneself or faith in others. In fact, I was thinking about this, and I thought about a man who used to work for me. He was really talented, and we would travel on the road, and and then he would introduce me 
as the man who really in whose driving he has no faith. Then I don't have faith in Michael's driving. Now I'm going to tell you that was many, many, many years ago. The reason I'm saying that is because the grace of God and the process of sanctification, I have come a long way. (laughs) And I'm sure he was making this up. But anyway, I'm going to tell you about it anyway. He would get up and publicly speak, and he would say, Michael wanted me to have faith in his driving, but I cannot. Because the fact is, when we are in the car, and I see the speedometer hitting 65 miles an hour, I start singing, Nearer my God to thee. (laughs) And he said, then when it goes to 75, he said, I start singing, Nearer, still nearer. And then when I see 85 on the speedometer, I start singing, this world is not my home anymore. (laughs) And at 95 miles an hour, I start singing, Lord, I'm coming home. (laughs) And then when it goes over 100 miles an hour, I start singing precious memories. (laughs) Now, that's very different from the faith that John is talking about. And I want you to Say that second part of the verse with me together. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even your faith. We have been looking at the way John leading us into a progression in his epistle. Logical progression. First, he told us how to receive life at its best. Then he told us how to sustain it. Then he told us how to grow in it. Then he told us how to overcome conflictedness. Then he told us how to experience that lavished love of God. Then he told us how to be empowered to overcome doubt. Then he told us how to develop healthy skepticism. And then he showed us, as we saw in the last message, how to have an authentic self-esteem. And today he tells us that faith is the key to victory. In fact, more than that, he tells us that faith is the master key to victory. In fact, John could be called, rightly so, the victorious apostles, the overcoming apostles. And I'll tell you why. In the book of Revelation, he mentions overcoming 12 times. And then he speaks about overcoming six times in this epistle. And that's because John understood that you and I cannot live life at its best, cannot experience reality in life without knowing how to overcome, without knowing how to be victorious, without knowing how to be triumphant. You say, man, what does he know about my problems? What does he know about my circumstances? He was living back in the first century. What does he know about the temptations of the 21st century? Well, just let me give you a little bit of an understanding of the period in which he was writing. When John wrote those words, there were no churches on every corner. When John wrote those words, there were no radio, Christian radio and television 24 hours a day. There were no Christian books by the truckloads. There were no children pastors and student pastors and specialized pastors and preachers. There were none of that. In fact, the opposite is true. Persecution was raging. Nero was lighting the fire over Rome. Emperors were killing Christians for entertainment. They were dipping them in tar and lighting them up so that they may become 
lanterns for them and for their games. They were throwing them to hungry lions. The Roman Empire from east to west was filled with hatred. It was filled with oppression. It was filled with tyranny against Christians. And yet, John said, this is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. Let's say it again. This is the victory that has overcome the world, even our faith. This overcoming faith is more than a set of doctrine. This overcoming faith is more than just a set of beliefs. This overcoming faith is not church tradition. This overcoming faith is a daily experience. It is an experience of the love of Christ on a daily basis. It's experience of practicing the love of Christ in the midst of hatred. And the contrast between what the Christians were teaching and what the society in Rome was teaching could not be more visible. It could not be greater. In fact, Rome taught people to hate, and they made hate to be a virtue. Christians taught love. Rome conquered by force, but Christians conquered by love. In fact, Rome used the weapons of war and bloodshed, but Christians used the weapons of the Spirit of God. Rome placed its faith in its army and the multitudes of gods. Christians placed their faith in the God who became man so that He may make those who come to Him receive and partake in the divine nature. And so when he penned those words, he knew a lot more than you and I will ever experience in ten lifetimes. And John is saying, there can be no genuine faith. There can be no conquering faith. There can be no victorious faith without believing and experiencing the fact that Jesus is the only true God. He's not one of many gods. He's the only true God. He's not just a founder of religion. He is the only true God. He is not just one of the great teachers of all times. He's the only true God. And therefore, he says, no way to heaven without him. And this is the cornerstone, John is saying, for conquering faith, for victorious faith. But once you receive that saving, conquering faith, when you become a Christian, that's only the beginning. Then you have to experience it on a daily basis in every area of your life. I want you to listen carefully, please. There is a saving faith. The faith by which we become born again. The faith by which we turn from being children of darkness to children of light. Then there is a daily faith, which you have to experience on a daily basis, moment by moment. Look at verse 4 again. Whoever is born of God overcomes the world. And I gave you the illustration of a rich uncle who gave you his entire state. You see... That inheritance became yours by virtue of relationship with the uncle. And your eternal inheritance becomes yours by virtue of relationship with Jesus Christ. You did not work for it. You did not earn it. You didn't have to do a cotton-picking thing for it. And that's what happened with salvation. God gives it to you by virtue of relationship with Jesus Christ. You didn't have to do anything for it. You just received it. Now let me continue the analogy and take it a little further. But suppose you take this vast inheritance that your rich uncle left you, and you put it under the mattress, or let's even suppose you put it in the bank, and you leave it there, and you continue to live in poverty. 
You don't withdraw a single dollar. You never go to the bank and to exercise your rightful ownership. It just stays there and stays there and stays there. It's in your name. You own it. You have authority over it. No one can take it away from you. But you're not enjoying a dime of it. You say, that's foolishness, right? This is the condition of most believers today. They are saved by faith. They have received eternal inheritance. Their salvation is sure. But they are living in utter spiritual poverty. Why? Because they don't exercise conquering faith. They don't live victoriously over sin. They don't live triumphantly over temptation. They don't make a withdrawal from that vast inheritance that became theirs because of Jesus Christ. And so they don't overcome the world. What world is he talking about? Well, let me break it down to where you are, where I am. There are basically two worlds in which you and I face on a regular basis. There is the outside world that's outside of us, and there is the inside world. Did you know that you have worlds inside of you? You have a big world right there inside of you, your head, your heart. When you see the world outside engulfed in hatred and selfishness and poverty and disease and enmity and injustice, what do you do? You shrug your shoulder and say, well, you know, what can I do? What can one person do? Believers never bothered to draw some of the resources of their eternal inheritance and go out and make a difference in the world. Make some withdrawal from that conquering faith and go and overcome. Take hold of the precious inheritance of faith that you have been given at salvation. And go and overcome the world. But then there is the inside world. There's the inside world. And probably my greatest war is with the inside world. There's temptation to fall into. Of sitting back. Sulking and complaining. And thinking you're very spiritual. Uh, There is things that you're reading and seeing and hearing that you have no business seeing or reading or hearing because it's corroding your soul. And you constantly give in to these forces on the inside of you. On the world inside of you, there is the temptation of worrying and fretting and anxiety about the future. And what you do, you give in to those forces that are on the inside of you. The world inside of you, there is temptation not to trust God to provide for you and your family. And so you hoard His blessings. And you give in to these forces in the world inside of you. In the world inside of you, there is a temptation of what John calls the lust of the eye and the lust of the flesh and the pride of life. Instead of overcoming these forces, instead of in the inside world, you give in to them and you say, everybody is in the same boat. What can I do? Oh, no, 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 no. Listen to me. He did not give you that eternal inheritance so you can sit back, sulk, and sour. Listen to me. You have been given a huge and incredible inheritance of faith to use it to overcome. 
You have been given a powerful weapon so that you might fight and win. You have been given an overcoming faith. This is the victory that overcomes the world. Exercise that faith. Faith is like a muscle. If you don't use it, it's going to atrophy. Exercise that faith. Stretch that faith. Live by that faith. Use that faith. Trust in the God who's given you that faith. And go and do some conquering in Jesus' name. Here's the question. How do you go about exercising that conquering faith? Answer. Knowing how to connect God's resources to your situation. Knowing how to connect God's resources to your situation. Just like a machine, and it doesn't matter what machine you have, an expensive machine, fine-looking machine, the latest model machine. And if it sits there, unplugged to the electricity, it's useless. (laughs) It's worthless. It looks good. You can brag about it. You can show it off. But if it's not plugged to the source, it's not doing you any good. Then John said, if faith is the victory by which you overcome the world, then you better know in whom this faith is anchored. You better know in whom this faith is placed. It's not in your family connection. It's not in your relationships. And it is not in your business deals. It's not in your work. It's not in your family. It's not anywhere else. Listen, here's what he gives you. But look at verses 6 to 12 very quickly. I'm going to summarize it for you. Chapter 5. I was thinking about this, you know, how in, in the gangster movies, and there's a very popular phrase that these producers and writers use when, when there's a, a fight going on, and, and the guy would say, do you know who you're talking to? Do you know who you're dealing with? You know what I'm talking about? No, you know two movies. That's all right. <laughs> I love you anyway. And John is saying, actually, John is saying that. He said, you better know who you're dealing with. You better know who you're dealing with. You better know who is the one who is the source of that conquering faith. And if you ask the average Christian, do you know who the source of your power? Do you know who the source of your strength? Do you know? Oh, yes, God. God. Oh, come on, give me a break. (laughs) Do you know who the source of victory in your life? Do you know who the source of conquering faith in your life? Intellectually. We say, yes, we do. We know He is God. (laughs) John said, He is the one at whose baptism in the river Jordan, in the water, heaven opened, Holy Spirit showed up, and the Father testified, this is my beloved Son in whom I'm pleased. That's the water. He's the one, though He was the only perfect sinless man that has ever lived. And yet he shed his blood on the cross of Calvary so that he may redeem everyone who would come to him. And that is why he said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And that's where the blood comes in. He is the one to whom heaven and earth testified. There is no one like him. There is no way to heaven without him. There is no way to meaningful life apart from Him. There is no salvation without Him. There can be no real peace and joy in your life apart from Him. There is no true contentment in life apart from Him. He is the same 
the same one to whom John testified as an eyewitness account when he wrote his gospel according to John. And now he's in the epistles trying to fill in the gap. He's saying, now this is how you apply him to you. This is how you appropriate his power on your daily living. That he is the one who said, I and the Father are one. Because he's the one who said, I and the Father are equal because He's the one who said He has the same power as the Father, that He is the bread of life, that He is the good shepherd, that He is the resurrection and the life, that He is the one who said in John chapter 17, verses 2 and 3, now this is eternal life, that they might know you, the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. That's what John is doing here. He just applying the gospel that he already wrote. What John is saying in the epistle is merely explaining what he saw and he testified to from the lips of Jesus. The only one in the world in history since creation who was worshipped and received worship. Listen, saving faith is important. It is very important. And I'm not minimizing that at all. We exist so that people will come to know Jesus Christ. But it cannot stop there. You have to exercise victorious daily faith. Every single day. In every area of your life. It's just like a marriage. Marriage begins, not ends, when the marriage vows are taken. When the covenant is made. That's just the beginning. And so is eternal life. It begins by believing that only Jesus Christ can take you to heaven. But then any joyful, happy, contented, growing marriage does not conclude at the wedding night. It only begins. And so is the victorious faith. It doesn't end once you come to Jesus. You know, saving faith, conquering faith... And eternal life. These are not just nebulous concepts. There is no ambiguity in them. Any more than there can be an ambiguity in marriage. If I ask a person, I said, are you married? All the person can say yes. Or can say no. But if a person says, I'm not really sure. (laughs) i tell you what, I would worry about that person. I would want to help him. And so if I ask you, do you have conquering faith? Do you have eternal life? You can either say yes or no. Not sure means no. If you're not sure, it means no. And you can be sure today. By recognizing the authority of Jesus Christ and submitting to Him as Lord, and you will immediately receive all the inheritance that the Father has for Him, all of it, not just a part of it, And then begin to spend your inheritance. Spend your inheritance. He wants you to spend it. He wants you to give it away. Why? Because it is inexhaustible. Because it is limitless. Because it is inabundant. And the more you use it, the more He gives you. And the more you use it, the more He gives you. So start spending it. In conquering the world outside and the world inside. It is your inheritance to have daily victory in Jesus.
Thanks for listening to this message from Dr. Michael Youssef, recently featured on Leading the Way. If you'd like to know more about us, please visit ltw.org. That's ltw.org.